Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. chapter 11 I want to start reading with verse number 8 folks we're coming up on the holiday season of just all of it Thanksgiving Christmas and NYC's and so on and so forth so um, those are times of years that we got to be strong in our faith amen because we find ourselves coming and going and here and there second Kings chapter number 11 and verse number 8 the Bible says and we're kind of diving in the middle of the story I'll I'll kind of get into a little bit of the backstory so we know where we are in the story um, but basically to sum it up uh, there's a boy that's been hidden in the house of God for years that's king and he's about ready to make his debut the Lord safeguarded him and protected him and uh, the Bible says this is the priest Jehoiada giving some words uh, toward this coronation of their king and he says and ye shall compass the king round about Every man with his weapon in his hand. And he that cometh within the ranges or within the ranks, let him be slain. And be ye with the king as he goeth out, as he cometh in. And the captains over the hundreds did according to all things that Jehoda the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were to come in on the Sabbath, with them that should go out on the Sabbath. And came to Jehoiada the priest. And to the captains over hundreds did the priests give King David's spears and shields that were in the temple of the Lord. And the guard stood, every man with his weapons in his hands, round about the king from the right corner of the temple to the left corner of the temple, along by the altar of the temple. And he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, God save the king. Digging around several, several weeks ago in Bibles that I've read back in 2015, I scratched a little something in the margin of my Bible. Matter of fact, a couple guys are part of Iron Sharpens Iron heard this if they watched any of our teachings and uh, I scratched something in the edge of my Bible from which this comes from from seven years ago so I want to minister tonight this the old weapons still work the old weapons still work hallelujah let's go to the Lord in prayer father I thank you today God, for your kindness, I thank you, Lord, for meeting us here tonight. God, for your spirit, Lord, that we have felt. God, that we have experienced in this day. God, through songs, lyrics, God, that have, God, have basis of your word, Lord, interlaced through them. I pray, Jesus, now touch our minds and our hearts. Help us, Lord, to look to the word. Let it speak to us tonight. 
God, I want to hear what the word says to me tonight, Lord. Help us, God, make us better by it. I know, God, that we will. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. To get our bearings this evening for where our text is found, before our text or before 2 Kings 11 uh, was ever pinned, or at least the events pinned there, there had been a very significant threat to the Davidic covenant or the Davidic kingdom, the kingdom and the household and the line of David. The king of Judah, who at that time had been Ahaziah, had been wounded in battle, and he had went out to war in battle. He had been wounded in battle, and it was a wound that was fatal enough that he eventually died. His mother, Ahaziah's mother, her name was Athaliah. I'm going to just throw a few characters through names here at you. Her name was Athaliah. Athaliah was not only the mother to Ahaziah, but Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Anybody ever heard of Ahab? And you probably, if you didn't hear of Ahab, you probably heard of Jezebel. But she is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. So begin to ask yourself what type of offspring could come from Jezebel. Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And whenever her son had passed and there was to be another king, a descendant of his and their family to take the royal seat, Grandma uh, Athaliah or Mother Athaliah went throughout all of the kingdom and massacred all of the seed royal. Uh, all of the boys, if I could tell you like this, Grandma killed her grandchildren. I know it's real encouraging, and, and, and the grandkids are kind of looking over their shoulders and thinking about their grandparents right now. But Grandma killed all of her grandchildren because she had hopes of assuming the throne herself. She had hopes of assuming that place of authority. If she does away with the competition and there's no one to arise to that command, then she believes that perhaps she will be the one to seize the throne. And so she is really an interruption, at best a disruption, to the royal line of, of David's family, that there being one sitting on the throne because God had promised to David concerning he and his family and his kingship that the lamp in his lineage of kings, it would never go out. He promised to David that he would always have one sitting on the throne in the Davidic kingdom. There would always be someone in succession from the family of David sitting on the throne. We read of this in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 15. The Bible says, but my mercy shall not depart away from him, speaking of David, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. He says, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. David, of course, was of the tribe of Judah, and he was to have a unbroken secession in his line. His line was to travel from his day all the way to the Messiah, all the way to Jesus Christ. That messianic line was to be unbroken until it reached our true king in the New Testament. And so these actions of Athaliah, the actions of this woman seem to uh, conflict, hurt, disrupt, interrupt the promised line even 
of the Messiah. It seemed like the, the promised line of the Messiah was going to fail because of her actions of massacre and mayhem, all of the seed royals that were throughout the land, except in our story, the Bible tells us they were all gone except for one. There's another character in the story by the name of Jehosheba. Amen. Jehosheba, the sister of Ahaziah. A lot of names here. Ahaziah was king. He died. His mom was Athaliah. His sister was Jehosheba. And Jehosheba stole away one of the king's sons who was among the other ones that were slain. She took a boy by the name of Joash. She hid that boy in the temple of God, according to the scripture, her husband was the high priest. Her husband was Jehoiada. He was the high priest. And she took that child and she hid him away in the house of God, the temple of God, from the violence of his grandma. Amen. Uh, she was just a violent lady. She would have taken his life if she could find him. And so jo Joash was just an infant whenever he's carried away. From what we can read in Scripture, he may have only been somewhere around one years old whenever his aunt came and snatched him and took him to the temple. For that matter, Joash seemed to be the only surviving descendant of Solomon and even more particularly seemed to be one of the only surviving uh, members or descendant of the household of David. And so in order for God's promise to stay true, it really is dependent upon this one boy, Joash, whose aunt snatched him away. And so Jehosheba and her high priest husband, Jehoiada, took extraordinary, extraordinary measures to preserve this royal seed in the Davidic line, hiding him in the temple of the living God. And just as a side note, this is not my sermon, but the safest place to hide Joash out of the reaches of the wicked queen at Deliah was there in the house of God. And parents, we'll do ourselves no better service than to take our children and place them in God's house. It's the safest place for them from all the wiles and the wickedness and such of the world because they knew that Athaliah was not concerned with all the allures of the temple. That was not her thing. That was not the thing that, that drove her or that interested her. And so the Bible says for six years that they hid Joash. I, I don't know. It must, it been, must have been somewhat of a miracle to hide a, a kid in the temple. I mean, in my experience, kids that are one years old and such, there's times they cry. And they get into places they should not get. You know, get out of the holy place. I mean, could you imagine trying to keep a child hid in the house of the Lord? But nonetheless, they cared for him. And in the seventh year, the Bible says that Jehoiada, the high priest, decided that it was time for this child to make its debut. And really, a child to become king of the nation of Israel. That was his rightful place. And so since Joash was alive, as long as he was alive, he was the real king. But during all of this process of time, Athaliah is waving. She's doing all the pomp and the, uh, and the procedure and circumstance because she thinks she's the woman, right? Everybody else is dead. There's no one to be seen. And therefore, Jehoda makes all the arrangements. He begins to talk to the army. This is the day that we're going to bring the boy forth. This is the day we're going we're to coronate him. We're going to anoint him. He's going to have his position of his kingship. It's not going to be a hidden thing anymore. It's going to be known to the whole nation. And he begins to make arrangements with the army and, and to guard 
guard the temple, to guard the palace, to guard the procession of this boy king as he would claim his throne. He made sure that the plan was tight. Why? Because grandma's still out there. <laughs> grandma, uh, we've not outlived her yet. She's still alive and well. And so grandma's still out there. So the plan that Jehoda is putting together, it must be a tight plan. It's got to be a top-notch plan. There are several layers of security that Jehoda is putting into place because there is a legitimate royal line here that's in immense danger. There is a promise of God here that is at stake. And so he gathers the soldiers together, and they're having a Wow. And he tells the soldiers, he says, anybody that comes near to where you are, if they break your ranks, they're a dead person to you. If they break your ranks, you, you have every right to dispose of them the way that they need to be disposed of. Because you're supposed to be around the king, and you're supposed to be around the temple, and you're supposed to be around the palace. And where he goes, you need to be around him. And so if they break through that line of defense, he says, go on and take their life. He told the guards in their, their meeting and in their planning in verse number 8, he says, come past, this is the words in your Bible, come past the king round about every man with his weapons in his hands so I want you to be armed I want your weapons to be in your hands as we protect the kingship of this young boy and as we protect the line of David and it appears in scripture as you read the chapter that Jehoiada was going to use guards that were on duty and there were some guards that were off duty. It wasn't their work week, but they were working today. He was going to use ones that were on duty and those that were off duty. They would usually change guard on the Sabbath. And so there was going to be some coming to the temple on the Sabbath day that would be changing guard. But that did not mean the others were off duty. They were still needed. They were still necessary. And so the army, or at least the Bible says, those who were captains over hundreds, the Scripture says that evidently, according as we can see, they entered the temple unarmed, right? Because you don't want to raise no suspicion from Grandma Athaliah. No, this is stealth mode right here. We, we don't want to raise any suspicion to Grandma Athaliah about what's taking place. And so they enter the temple unarmed, not to draw any type of suspicion. And this is what the Bible says in verse 10. In the Living Bible, when I first received this thought seven years ago, it says it like this. And he, Jehoiada, armed them from the supply of spears and shields in the temple that had belonged to King David. The International Standard Version says it like this. The priests issued King David's personal spears and shields that had been stored in the Lord's temple. And so whenever these guards come in to guard the new king that's in the succession in the line of David, they are given weapons, notable weapons, that go all the way back to David's era that go all the way back to David's time. It's interesting that what's about ready to protect something in David's line is something that came from the hand of David somewhere in the past because Scripture tells us that David has put all of these weapons and instrumentation. He had dedicated them and given them to the Lord's temple. And everybody that now stood before Jehoiada, this is something that David had got in a battle that he won. Here is something maybe that was one of David's own personal Personal weapons, and he's given all of these men of a new generation an old weapon. He 
Amen. These weapons were spears. They were shields again. Some of these were spoils of war. We understand David was a great warrior. Some of these things were spoils of war that David had plucked out of the hand of Philistines and Ammonites and Moabites. But he dedicated to the house of God. Amen. Some of these things were David's own weapons that he had that were essential to battle. Amen. Or perhaps it was just a little combination of both. But nonetheless, now they are in the hands of a new generation. And everybody that had gathered at the temple received these old weapons for a present day time of protection and battle if necessary. Someone say amen. None of us in this year are ignorant to the fact None of us are ignorant because it's still yet going on, Brother Mason. Ignorant to the fact of the conflict between Russia and the Ukrainians. That debacle has been going on for several, several months now. Amen. And, and it's not getting as much as attention as it was when it first happened because that's the way things happen. There's always a new car to chase, right? And so it's not getting as much as attention. But nonetheless, whenever it was first happening, and it's an ongoing struggle during this time between Russia and the Ukraine, and they've been fighting back and forth, they tell me from articles that I have read just recently that there is a resurgent, a resurgence of some of each country's oldest weapons have appeared on their battlefield. They've been sighted, some very aged old artillery that both Russia has had and the Ukrainians have had, they have used in this war that they've had between themselves. There have even been postings on social media, people that have taken pictures of these old weapons that each party has been using during this time. And so this has not been uncommon to their time and day of warfare. Although we are in 2022, there are some old weapons that they are using that day back to World War One and before. These people on both sides have armed these troops with these old weapons. Now the Russians will stand on one side and they've been known through articles and such that I've read to have marked to have mocked the Ukrainians because the Ukrainians are using an old M1910 Maxim machine gun, but the Russians are using some old artillery as well. So it's kind of like, I'll throw dirt over there so you don't see what I'm doing type of thing. But they're both eating, using no thing. The Russians are using a Masanagat rifle from the 1800s. They're giving these to their troop. They have old antique cannons that are guarding checkpoints that they have. And this is the reason why they say they are using these old weapons. Because they're capable and they're reliable. The M1910 Maxim machine gun the Ukrainians have been using entered service in 1910. That's, that's its label, M1910. It was in service during World War I. This machine gun is water-cooled, unlike many today that's air-cooled. It can fire 600 rounds per minute. It weighs about 150 pounds, and therefore it requires a crew of about four or six people to move it around to carry the ammo and carry the water that's needed in order to keep the machine gun cool. Its firing distance is a little shorter than more modern day guns like it, but nonetheless, it's no less impactful. One, one commented and said this, and I quote, disadvantages are for there for sure, speaking of this machine gun, but as long as the gun is still firing, 
and not overheating. It can still kill its enemies and then there are no high level problems that the Ukrainians should worry about as long as it's still firing and can it still kill its enemies. One certified trainer and a specialist in firearms said this. He said, don't judge something just by the year it was designed. Another offered this. He says they are over 100 years old, but they still get the job done. In 2012, there was, I think, maybe the last audit or one of the audits that was done by the Ukrainian government, and they did an audit on all of their arms and the stocks that they had in arms. And there was reported back in 2012, 35,000 M19 Maxim machine guns in storage and the manufactured dates on all of those was between 1920 and 1950 so those were some of the machine guns that are out on the battlefield right now and the Ukraine defense minister admits this he says such weaponry is not a standard issue in the modern world he said but they're available whenever they're requested Perhaps one of the final analysts said it best. He said, it's old, but it works. Can I tell you tonight that the church in every generation owes its success and perpetuation in many regards to some old weapons. Outsiders looking in, they criticize our antics as old and archaic and out of style. Some may even renounce the effectiveness of our ways. But let the doctor expend the knowledge that his degree affords him and let the practitioners to that they have at their disposal and someone's going to be looking for a good old honest church going saint of God and say there's nothing else to be done will you pray you know what that is an old weapon in a modern generation someone say amen today old weapons work when none of the modern inventions work but to the church of the living God old weapons work because they always have worked the old song used to say it like this faith still moves mountains and prayer is still the door to heaven my friend no matter what you may have heard the old weapons still they still work Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, feels a threat of adversaries that are approaching his land. The Moabites, the Ammonites are crowding in. Others are coming to the battle. And the Bible says that whenever he learned of this, of this present day battle, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat's response was this. He sought God and he proclaimed a fast. That was his reaction to the danger of a modern-day approaching enemy. He sought God, and he proclaimed a fast. The Bible says, you can read it in 2 Chronicles 20, that he went to war in reality before the battle ever reached him. He, he involved all of Judah. He involved all of the nation of Judah in this praying. 
and in this fasting. Verse 5 tells us that Jehoshaphat responded by going, look at this now, by going to the house of God. He says, I got a battle on my hand. We are right here on the edge of entering battle. What are you going to do? I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. And I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. Verse 18 tells us that he and the whole nation fell down and worshiped the Lord. The Bible says that the priest and the Levites praised the Lord with a loud voice. And when the time of battle came the next day, you may know the story, Jehoshaphat appointed singers to praise the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 21, he sent them before the army. Someone say before. He sent them before the army to sing and to praise. And when they did, the Bible says, upon those Ammonites and Moabites and others that came, that the Lord sent ambushments against their adversary. Please, for a moment, if you will go home tonight and read back through 2 Chronicles 20, look at the list of things that they involved themselves in leading up to and including the day of battle. They prayed. They fasted. They went to the house of God. They were they praised, they sang. Why? Because all of those things are old, operable weapons. They're accurate. They're not worn out. Their history is a good indicator of what their value can be, even for today. And, and in the... a lot of methodologies come across the church and I'm for as long as they don't get away from doctrine as long as they I'm for all of that but there's some things that you'll never leave in the dust there's some things you'll never leave in the past prayer, fasting, attending the house of God, worship, praise those are old weapons that still work for your battle today they're not so old that they're out of commission we still use them, why? because they're capable and they're reliable if you think you can discard them and win you're fooling yourself you're not going to get any better The Apostle Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And Jehoshaphat in Chronicles 20 even spoken to the Lord in question form, but it's really a statement. He says, in thine hand, is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Insomuch he sent that singing and that praising before the army. What are you saying? I'm saying before the shields, he sent the singers. Before the swords, he sent the praisers. Before the spears, he sent that group of people. Before all of them with their armament, he sent some time-worn weapons ahead of them. Why? They're reliable. They're capable. If I could say it like the commentator said, they're still firing and they're still killing their enemies so that none can escape. They're thousands of years old, but they still get the job done. The old weapons still work. My God, I wish someone would pull the prayer off the wall, get the praise out of the closet, get the fasting. The old weapons.
it appears that Joash, that boy that's being made king, would appear at first that he owes his kingship, his opportunity to reign and keep and advance the Davidic line of kingship. It would seem as though he would all of that, owe all of that to his aunt, Jehoshaphat, and the diligence of his uncle, his high priest's uncle, Jehoda. But let's not forget that when the soldiers came to that temple that day, that priest began to give them weapons whew, to hold in order to protect and hold the line about the king at his coronation and his anointing. They were weapons that David long ago had dedicated to the house of God. These old weapons were necessary to safeguard a nearly extinct kingly line. The old weapons were the ones that were securing an unbroken line in David's household that God even had promised. David, your lamp is not going to be distinguished, not going to be extinguished because some old weapons Woo! are in the front line today. You're not going to have to worry. Amen. He's already in the grave for that matter. David is dead pushing up tulips by this time. But he's given some weapons in his lifetime that a new generation are picking up that's reliable and capable. The ancestry of the Messiah is going to advance because a new generation are holding on to some ancient weapons. Do you hear what I'm telling you right now? I'm saying this thing's going on because a new generation is holding on to some ancient weapons. Can I tell this generation, don't ever let go of the ancient weapons. If David could take a lion and a bear and a Goliath and Philistines and adversary after adversary with them, you need to keep your hand on the old weapons. They still work. buddy. They're reliable. David knew. David knew the capability and the reliability of old weapons. You'll remember when he went out on the battlefield in 1 Samuel 17 against Goliath. The enemy that he conquered that he's probably best known for. But whenever he went out there, the Bible says that Saul wanted to give him his sword. Wanted to give him his armor his coat of mail, his helmet of brass. Take all of these, David, and go with it in this battle against Goliath. But you will remember that David said, no, I can't go with that sword. I can't go with that coat of mail and that brass hat that you have, Saul. He said, because I'm not proven them. You know what he's saying? That's new to me. 
let me stay with something that's owed to me. I, I know how my hand fits around that staff. And I know whenever I slide my hand down exactly where that shepherd's bag is that's holding the stones. I know how to use my sling and all this stuff. The Bible tells us uh, before this day ever come that David had fought a lion. Before this day had ever come, he had fought a bear. And the Bible uses this verbiage in verses 34 and 35 of 1 Kings 17 that David had smote uh, or he had smitten the lion and he had smitten the bear. It come to find out later when he takes down Goliath, the same verbiage is using that he had smitten or he had smote Goliath as well. I'm wondering if all of these instances uh, was the staff uh, and the sling uh, and the stone. Uh, amen. You know what David's saying? These things helped me when I was against a lion. These things helped me when I was against a bear. And I know they got a little time on them. I know they're worn around the edges a little bit. But I believe they can take out this Goliath. I know the old weapon. I know what it's capable of. I know... Somebody needs to look back over your life and see how prayer came through for you. See how that week of fasting brought some things to the surface for you. Don't forget how your worship, amen, ended depression in your life. One day when you entered the double doors and you said, I'm going to do it anyway. The old weapon still worked. Let me say it like this today, folks. And I don't think there's really anything new, but if I can couch it in terms like this. A new adversary doesn't necessitate a new weapon. According to David, a new, which if it's new to you, it's probably unknown to you, a new and unknown adversary, according to him, required a proven, time-worn weapon. And Goliath, I never went against a Goliath before. This is new to me. This is unknown to me. What am I going to fight with? Maybe I need to get a new weapon for this battle because this is a new adversary. No, that wasn't David's thinking. New adversary? Going to use the same old, same old. That took the lion. That took the bear. So we could apply the old words of the journalists of today back to David. I don't think there's any problems to worry about, David, if it's still slinging and it's still meeting its mark. Who cares if the design's old? The question is, does it work? If we don't watch it, we'll go through weeks, months, and years in the church of trying a bunch of new things that doesn't work rather than just relying on the old things that's proven that does work. We'll try to build churches. We'll try to build churches with every little newfangled gimmick. Some of what you see sometimes is swelling and not growing. 
crashed down after a time. I just came across a tweet. This guy's non-denominational. I came across it this week. It was so true. He said, there's a lot of pastors that's still in churches, but not filling pulpits. What that means is this, they're still in churches, but they're not being preachers of God's truth in the pulpit. Go ye into all the world and... That's Jesus' commission. That's his commission. I don't think he said in the court, he said, you know what, maybe I should... Maybe. I told him the wrong thing for the 21st century. They need, to, they need to switch it up. It's been preached the word since the 12. It was preached the word in Grandma and Grandpa's day. It was preached the word in Bishop's day. It's preached the word in this day. It'll be preached the word in the next day. Because the old weapon. Sometimes the word is like a hammer. It can break the concrete. It can break the stones. It looks like it's having no impact. But the repetition of the hammer can cause fissures under the surface that come on surface. Sometimes the hammer, sometimes the word the Bible says is like the snow that sets on the ground. Seems like it has no impact. But when it starts to melt, it finds itself in all the porous regions of the ground and makes it soft. So, hear what I'm saying? The old weapons still... No one is more convinced of that than we must be convinced of that today. And so there would not have, listened to me very plainly, for our scripture text here tonight, there would have not been any weapons to give Jehoiada's generation from the temple had David not in his generation dedicated weapons to his lifetime he dedicated things weapons in his lifetime to God's house that at times not only aided him still yet while he was living but aided and prepared generations to come with weaponry in their hour of need here's what we must understand yeah yeah, David laid those weapons down. No, wrong concept. David never laid a weapon down. He laid a weapon up. He never laid prayer. He never laid a weapon down or a shield or a spear down. Amen. He wasn't. He wasn't like his predecessor Saul, who the Bible says vilely cast away his shield. That's weighing, laying a weapon down. He wasn't like his predecessor Saul. No, he dedicated to God's house. That's not laying it down. That's laying it up. He laid it up for another generation. Those M1910s, 35,000 of them in storage in Ukraine, that's somebody that laid a weapon up. disassemble them, they didn't put them out of commission, they didn't bury them some hole, you know, thousands of feet under so no one would ever come, no, 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 no. They laid them up, and David's arsenal was laid up in the temple, amen, for another time, another generation, because they worked before. Look at David, even in his lifetime, I'll try to hurry, even in his lifetime, 
David benefited from things, weapons he had given to the house of God personally. In 1 Samuel 17, when he had his great victory against Goliath, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 17, 54, that David hid Goliath's armor, it says, in his tent. The word tent, oh hell, not only indicates a dwelling, but it also indicates a sacred tent or tabernacle. A lot of scholars back back and forth that it wasn't so much that David hid it in his personal tent as much as he hid it in the tabernacle, the house of the Lord. And it makes good sense because whenever David is later fleeing as a fugitive from Saul, he goes to Nob, N-O-B, <laughs> Nob, I guess, where was the temple at the time. And there was a priest in there, and you know what David is looking for at this time in his fleeing? Do you got any food? And do you have any weapon? And the priest says, the sword of Goliath is here. He said, there's none like it. He said, it's wrapped behind the ephod back there. David said, there isn't anything like that. I'll take it. How could David have that then? Because somewhere in the past, he laid it up there. It was old, but it was effective and efficient for the now hour. But folks, let me tell you, if you dedicate it to God's house today, it'll be there when you need it in your future tomorrow. It, it will. Old weapons still work. He fled by there. He got food. He got Goliath's sword. He got that old ancient sword because he had laid it up there before. But these actions, listen, of dedicating things to God's house, laying up that old weaponry in God's house, they don't just benefit you in your generation. They help generations to come. Listen, the shelf life of the things we surrender to God's house far surpass our lifetime. Yeah, the shelf life of them go beyond our lives. David's cold in the grave. He's dead and has been for several years but there is new flesh that's grabbing a hold of a weapon that he's had. Oh, there's a new boy. There's a new man that's grabbing a hold of a shield and a spear that David once had in his hand. Amen. And they're going to go forth with protection. There, oh, someone hear me right now. Hear me. Say, Brother McGee, I'll tell we don't have, what? What am I going to do? You know, give my nine millimeter to the church. Listen, we're talking on natural and spiritual planes here tonight. You might not consider some of these things artilleries, but wait here with me for a moment. Things that you surrender to God's house. When you invest in God's kingdom, you surrender your finances to God's house. If you dedicate it there, I guarantee it'll be there if you need it. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's generations from now. If you surrender worship at God's house, it's being laid up. It's being laid up for you somewhere down the road. God's house. Hey, man, I can find it when I need it because I dedicated it there. I admonish you tonight. Invest in God's house today with whatever you have at your disposal because it will pay dividends in the future. It will pay dividends tomorrow. It will be available for your kids. It will be available for your grandchildren. When you're cold in the grave, it will Amazingly, David's royal line 
was preserved. Joash was left intact. Grand, grandmammy, Mimi, whatever they call them all now, mamma, mimo, moo, moo. She's not going to kill this offspring because some old weapons. The line is preserved. By and large, David's own line is preserved, though he's dead, and it's been preserved because he stockpiled weapons when he was alive. It was, a, it was one kid from being destroyed. Do you understand that? There was only one. It's one kid from being destroyed was under immense danger, was hit for years. And when they got to the treasury of the temple, shield, spear, this belonged to David. And they worked. And they maintained the messianic line from there all the way to Christ Jesus. Listen to me. If the old weapons kept in fire, the messianic line of Jesus Christ from David forward, then I think that those old weapons can sustain my apostolic We know, according to Scripture, the warrior David was. The Bible said he shed so much blood that he wasn't even allowed to build the house of God because there was too much blood on his hands. He shed a lot of blood. Great warrior. And so did that army in Joash's day. But can you imagine for a moment? Think with me. I'm a captain of thousands, and he's, that priest is about ready to hand me something that David. And like, as a boy growing up, I hear about David and the lion and the bear and the Goliath. And my parents and grandparents told me these stories of like, oh, David held the spear. You understand? Because he was like the hero of his time. Right? Some of y'all would be like getting the hammer of Thor. David held this. David fought with this. David won with this. They might not be saying openly because they're men now. You know, you don't want to act like you're childish and everything. But inside, they're like jumping. David had this. He used the shield. Or he carried this off a battlefield that he won. This was one of the spools of war. His hands reached it. It's not like they had a museum ten dollars to go see it all and rub it or something. But this is happening right now. Can you imagine the the confidence each soldier would have that what I'm swinging today he swings. The shield with all these holes in it that stopped some fiery darts that protected David. And it's before me today. Wow. John, look at this. See those 52 homes? They didn't get David. And now I got it today. In verse 10 of our setting, the Bible says, these arms were distributed. This is important. Please follow me here. I won't keep you much longer. Notice the wording of verse number 11 now. These arms, these weapons of David were distributed. Now notice the word in verse 11. And the guard stood every man with, everybody say his, with his weapons in his hand. Everyone was holding 
his weapons as they were surrounding the king. They were going to go alongside the altar. They were going to go to the exterior of the house. And they were going to encircle the king. And everyone is holding his weapons. All right. These are all. <clears throat> they're trying to guard David's descendant here. This boy that's going to become king. They're trying to guard David's descendant here. And they're standing there with David's weapons in their hands. But now. But now found in these men's hands. Look. They are not saying in every man's hands were David's weapons. It says every man with his weapons in his hand. What are you saying? What was and at one time was called David's weapon. Now a new generation was owning his weapon as though it was there. They weren't saying, they were saying, I got David's shield. They say, I got my shield. They weren't saying, I got, oh, great, 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 great David's spear. No, they were saying, I got I, my spear. What was his? They adopted as their own. Oh, I wish there was a generation at the first apostolic church that would grab a hold of some old weapons of old saints and old ministers and missionaries and people of yesteryear and say, that's not just theirs I adopt them and I claim them as my own that wasn't their prayer this is my prayer that wasn't their worship this is my worship that's not their singing this is my singing it's an old weapon for a present day battle it's I claim it as mine in my generation David's weapons had become their weapons. And the old weapons still work. We need generations that are following us that will adopt some time-worn weapons as their own. Listen well, young people. Scoffers are always going to scoff. And there's always going to be people that will mock. But it's not because those weapons of prayer and worship and praise and singing and all that stuff. It's not because those weapons are ineffective. They just do it simply because they think they're just old and out of fashion. Huh? Listen to me. Because anything that new that comes on the landscape of society, although the last thing that was new is only a week old, it's old. Fads and things change like this in today's world. There's always something new coming on the scene. Right? The air of the fidget spinners, everybody's got a fidget. Everybody's got a fidget. The poppers, everybody's got a popper. Everybody's got a popper. What happens? Those things go out so quick they're up. Why? Because they no longer fidget or no longer effective? No. It's just because something new's coming. And the world will have you to believe you got to drop everything owed for every little new mechanism. Every little new fad, every little new gimmick. That's not the way we do church anymore. If that's not the way we do it, the way that they did it when they first did it, then we're not doing church at all. Those weapons still work. What's that? What's that defense? What that defense minister there of Ukraine says? He says, "I meant." He said, "These 1910, these 1910 machine guns." He said, "They're not standard issue today, but they're available when they're requested." 
Son, we might be operating in not the standard issue of today's world. But I want to be found one of those saying, Lord, I still want those old prayer meetings that are just gut-wrenching where you have groanings that cannot even be uttered. Yes, God, I still want to worship and fall down before you. I still want to praise till I lose my voice and sweat till my feet are sweated through my shoes. I still want all-night prayer meetings. I still want three days and weeks of fasting. I still want to, why, 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 why? It might not be standard issue, but it's still available if only somebody will request We gotta be on. We gotta be on the cutting edge. We wanna be on the cutting edge. You know what though? Sometimes, and history's proven this. You need a proven tool for new problems. New COVID pandemic hits the world, wrecks America not long ago. Before, listen, to Pastor. Before they contrived the new vaccine. You know what the hierarchies and authorities were doing? They were asking Americas all across America and churches to reach for an old weapon. With the church, why do you think they left churches open as essential business? Because we don't have a new weapon for this new disease, but we're asking the churches to go get the old weapon for the for the new pandemic that's over. See, sometimes you're still doing the figures of what might work whenever we still got something that will work. Oh, Brother Megan, we lost apostates. We did. There's good people die every day over fault of not their own. It happens. But that doesn't remove the fact that the weapons that we have are still effective. God's a sovereign God. He'll do what he wants to do. But I know prayer works. Bishop, we've seen it too much over the history of this church. In the hospital, out of the hospital. You got this diagnosis. You don't have this diagnosis. You had cancer. You don't have cancer. You had a growth in your brain, Dakota, that they checked year after year after year. A few years ago, you went and it shrank. And just here recently, you went and it's no longer there. What is that? That's not a new robot. That's not a new x-ray. That's not an MRI. That's an old weapon. That still works. Nothing does that but God. Nothing does that but the old weapon. You've come too late to tell me. I don't have to have some newfangled thing. Just give me the old, the time-worn, the proven. It still works. <laughs> That's why during our years of being here in town, we've got all kinds of calls ever since Sunday, even when they had their little paranormal business in town. And they've been into houses to try to get rid of the evil spirits. And Bishop and I are getting calls for hierarchy in this town, sitting in back rooms of businesses with business owners wanting us to come and pray. And we went and prayed. And the calls that we get back is this. I've not had one problem since you all prayed. What is that? Bishop and Paul, no, no, no. It's an old weapon called prayer. And it's backed by the authority. And it's underwritten by God. Paranormal can't do it. Someone's not going to exercise it, if you will. An exorcist come in and get it out of there. No prayer. 
prayer and the authority of his name and the power of his word will do it. It's an old weapon. It works, it works, it works. It's capable, it's reliable. If you'll stand with me, if you feel the Holy Ghost. They're capable, they're reliable, and I admonish us tonight that we need to adopt them as ours. We need to adopt them as ours. Listen to me, young people. You want to have a relationship with God that lasts through your teenage years until you become first married and you have children? Your possibilities increase. The old weapons a part of your life. They increase. You might laugh sometimes. Oh, those old people, all they ever want to talk about was God. Well, well, oh, all they talk about is Bishop and his her morning watch, praying to God. Tell you something. It's still going to take that when, when this generation's dead. You're still going to have to carry on with that. You're still going to have to carry on with days of pushing back the plate and fasting. You're still going to have to give worship and praise. And I'm not talking about these sissy little hand claps. As though you're applauding some public figure. The old weapons. church was born in the fire, she'll be sustained in the fire. Oh, God. The old weapons, they work. When we leave tonight, we need a generation of, of now that says, you know what? I'm going to attempt, I'm going to attempt to have a prayer life. I'm going to attempt to have a prayer life this week. And if you get two days and you just blow the hope up, you know what? Start again the next day. You know what? I'm going to try to fast a meal on Thursday. Do it. If you forget about it, try again next Thursday. And when you get a meal down, try two meals. When you get two meals down, try three. Come to church early and go to the prayer room. Well, that's just something the adults do. You tell me when you're too young to pray. I'll do it whenever I get an adult. Some of you, if you don't start it now, you'll never reach adulthood in God. You got to adopt it as your own. Huh? You got to get beyond the thing, I do this because this is what my dad does. Or I do this thing because this is what my grandma and grandpa do. 
whenever people entertain you with questions and you say, well, I do it because that's what my church does. No, 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 no. You need to stand on your own two feet. And you need to adopt some things that, yeah, they did. But now they're just as meaningful, just as important, and just as essential to you as it was David's generation. You want to kill a lion? Grab an old weapon. You want to take down a bear? Get the old weapon. You got any Goliaths in your life that's defying your God? Old weapon. Whoa. Man, they still work. Oh, hallelujah. Can we raise our hands all across this place? The old weapons. Faith still moves mountains. Prayer is still the door to heaven. My friend, I don't care what you've heard. The old weapons still work. Can we raise our hands right now? Can we begin to talk to God? Would someone reach up their hand right now as though they're grabbing a hold of a weapon from yesteryear, from time class? Would someone grab a hold of some praise and worship and adoration? Would someone grab a prayer life right now? Would somebody, would somebody grab the word of God? Jehoshaphat said, the enemy's coming. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to get to God's house because those are the old weapons that work. I'll send them before the shield. I'll send them before the sword. I'll send them before the spear. Cut the old weapon.
Go back in that room and pray a little longer. That wasn't mom being mean. She knew something I didn't know. The old weapons work. I want to equip you, son. I want to weaponize you, son. You're going into the world today. You're what? She knew what I didn't know yet. The old weapons work. these young people if they shout. Don't worry about them if they jump. Don't worry about them. What are they doing? They're trying out that old weapon. They're, they're letting it cleave to their hand.
look at your neighbor and say, they still work. They still work. Amen. Go show up Wednesday night for Bible study. Bible study still works. Go show up Wednesday night. We're going to travel through Esther a little further. Come and be a part of that service. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for participating in the services. Amen. Being attentive to the word of the Lord. Amen. Go home tonight. Amen. Grab yourself an old clipper before you go to bed. Go home. Have a great week at your work week. We'll see you back here Wednesday on Wednesday night. And remember the old weapons still work. God bless you in Jesus' name. We love you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.